Hey everyone, Daniel here again. Here's another episode that Josh and I recorded recapping the second episode of Gangs of London back in you know the middle of 2020. Don't worry, Peaky Blinders stuff is not going away, but we figured we would inundate your timeline with a little bit of something new as Josh and I would first give our Patreon listeners this opportunity back in May and June, but now wanted to open up everyone's eyes to what is a fantastic show in Gangs of London available on AMC+. But if you want every episode before we release it here, go over to patreon.com slash Peaky. Send us an email at bootpeakyblinders at gmail.com or at facebook.com slash peakypodcast. Enjoy this one. It was a gnarly episode with a fantastic finish. And if you haven't seen the second episode of Gangs of London, press pause. Go watch it on AMC Plus or any of the available means based off of your ability to search the dark web. And then get back here and listen. Enjoy. For the good of the family, Josh and I are back to try to just completely understand and absorb and help you absorb episode two of season one of Gangs of London. Just for you guys on Patreon, thanks so much for joining us. As this one, Josh, was directed by Corin Hardy. He's known for his gore. He's known for his horror elements. And this episode, I think, set the next level. If this show keeps on going by episode nine, the whole country might just be on fire at this rate. It was an 8.9 on IMDb. And we don't have to start in the beginning. We can start at the end, Josh, with one of the craziest, just like trailer park scenes that I've ever seen. You want to know what it reminded me of? I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to see if, if, if you can guess what it reminded me of. I told you I'm just rewatching the show right now. It was, it, it was it, a little Ozarky. I will say that. A little bit, but the scene in True Detective where Russ Cole, Matthew McConaughey's character, goes undercover with the biker gang to try to find that con was looking for that in, in, in that first season. And it just mayhem breaks loose in that, in like the projects area where, you know, there's a, there's shootouts everywhere and he's running through and it's, it's like from his perspective, it reminded me of that. It was just like five minutes of, of shootout of just mayhem. And I was just like, what is going on? Sean Wallace, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is exactly what, you know, Oh, he was warned against in uh, episode one. And I think that'll, that'll kind of wrap us back to the front because at the end of the episode, we learned that Sean is a liability. He can't pull the trigger. He might not be the decision maker we thought he was because the beginning of the episode teases us about him becoming a man of sorts. We see Cole Meany. He's back on the stage. I had a feeling that such a notable actor was not going to make a three-minute scene in the first episode and then never come back. So I'm happy to see Finn Wallace being portrayed. An interesting fathering technique to like draw your family out in the middle of nowhere. Does that remind you of uh, Ned Stark showing his sons the, the slicing off of the head in, in, in the pilot of Game of Thrones? It was eerily similar to me to have his kid pull the trigger, but we didn't know that Sean couldn't shoot the kid. Billy shoots the guy. And so we didn't talk at all about Billy in that first episode because there wasn't much of him. There wasn't much, right. And, and now we learn that Billy is a, uh, he's an unstable fellow, but he has the balls that Sean doesn't have. Which we also find out that he's the older brother of Sean, which we didn't really, you know, we couldn't put two and two in that first episode because he looks like he's younger. Sean has like facial hair. He's the, mate, he's, the, he's, the he's like the leader of the family now. So you would assume that he was kind of like the heir 
to to Finn, but he's actually the older son, and so we don't know if maybe if if Finn thought that he was a fuck up of the family and he didn't trust him, but we see him fire that bullet to which, by the way, which was crazy that the head was just in the ground and they shot through the bucket. Like that was just a very interesting tactic to kill somebody, but very creative nonetheless. But it was eerily similar to Game of Thrones and Ned Stark showing his kids the ropes, showing them like, you know, don't be afraid, pull the trigger because that's kind of like how life is going to be going forward. And that's the kind of message that Finn was, was trying to send to his children. Let's tackle one plot at a time. So what we're going to do is my first watch was a little bit confusing, so I'm happy I cleared it up with myself, and I want to help you guys out. So let's just go with the, the Billy storyline, which is very, very vital, because we've got that orgy, and we think everything's kind of a joke, and we think that Billy is addicted to heroin, at least I did, when he's, like, freaking out with his buddy. Where did you get that smack? How do I get that smack? And then there's the crazy scene in the, uh, in the Middle Eastern, whatever it was, a pita place, and, and Billy's begging and begging and begging. Yeah, he's begging to get a little bit of heroin, and we think that he's just an addict, but later we learn he's just trying to help out his brother figure out if the Middle Easterns are still smuggling in heroin, which ties us back into, you know, the woman in the beginning of the episode who comes out of the car, finding out that she can get the heroin in through different ways, and stealing the drugs from the Pakistanis who smuggle it through the cows. So that's what happened right. in, the, in the very opening scene where the cows are exploding. It was the craziest thing. And then Asif, who is the name of the Pakistani gang leader, is just blowing people's heads off to try to figure out how her name is Lael, L-A-L-E or Lale, how Lael is stealing his heroin. It's very confusing. We've got the Middle Easterns. Yeah. I don't know where her, where her, her country she's from because we've got almost two sets of Middle Easterns because we've got the Pakistanis and we've got the, the woman, I guess we can call it. She stole it from the Pakistanis cow transfer, then smuggled it into London, which is where Billy found out that they are doing it, which is then in rep, rep, whatever the word is, in, in response, I guess, to that, the, the, the guy who sold the drugs to Billy had to call her his boss, which is probably Lale or Lael, to then tell her, okay, the Wallaces know about us now. So that'll set more things in motion, and that kind of wraps up that set of plot, which I thought was extremely confusing upon first watch with the cows and then with, with the fact that Asif's son wants to run for mayor and be completely clean. So there's a lot of interesting things happening. Yeah, and it's also just something that we need to reiterate. I don't know if we really, you know, we kind of brushed upon it, but the Wallace's Sean wants to basically place a hold on all drugs going through London. And so that, you know, incites all these other players, all these other gangs, all I guess mob families in all these different territories to say, you know what, fuck you. We're still going to push our drugs through. We're still going to make our money because if we're not pushing drugs through London, we're not making money. And so that kind of is the start of them trying to undermine his word. And we're going to see, we don't know yet. We're going to see what that means and how he's going to respond to them basically going behind his back, because I don't think that that's going to make him happy at all. But I agree. I was very confused with this whole orgy scene and Billy being a part of it. And him, he, he was like a madman, you know, looking like he was a chicken without a head, you know, in that, in that scene. Like, he had crazy eyes. And then he steals Elliot's car. And, and, and Elliot, if, if it weren't for Elliot kind of, you know, stopping it, something, something really bad could have happened there. Um, but he stole his car, which I, 
I'm just not a Billy fan. Weird. It was weird. It was like, what are you doing? This guy's trying to help you. So that's why I thought he might have been on drugs because he looked like he was on drugs. Um, but we kind of see, you know, based on, on, on how the episode started and, and this scene here and how he wanted to help and the, the powerful moment between the brothers with, with Sean and Billy that, you know, Billy just wants to help. And Billy just, you know, he feels that like he's useless. And so we're going to get a lot of flashbacks, I feel, of Billy being useless and kind of how they were brought up and how Finn treated him. Because I think that Finn just did not like him as a son at all. Probably because he was gay, honestly. Yes, yeah, we, we do see that, that he swings that way. And we see that the mom, you know, yep. Michelle Fairley's character, kind of undermines him, says, you know, Billy, let's not, let's not be crazy today. You know, like, that's not the way to talk to someone who has an you know, improper balance in, in his brain. So it's like, that's not what a mom should sound like. So it's clear that things are messed up there. We've got that storyline with the drugs that I don't think we have to go too much in depth with because we'll learn more about it in the oncoming episodes. Then we've got a little taste of Lewin who sits down with Ed, who's, you know, the, the partner that Finn had. And he's like, Lewin's like ordering his daughter's birthday cake. I thought that was a very good touch to show that he's got like a, a human side to him because the Wallaces, we haven't really seen a human side to Sean. But Lewin is like a very likable villain. And, and he's, he shows Ed some pictures of Finn and plays Ed against Sean. We don't know what those pictures are. Maybe it's with that potential prostitute or woman that that's he's that been hiding is. and paying. It seems too yeah. easy, but that's what it lines us to. And it's interesting. They've got that sit down. Then we've got another storyline, which is the father of the kid, Kenny, who killed Finn. So we've got the, the big oaf who was taken away by his dad after his dad's man killed the, the, the partner, who was the driver, by finding him through his brother. Remember? Because he borrowed the car from his brother, the skinny guy. So the bigger guy, his dad, seems to be a, a small-time gangster who has a sit-down with Sean and Ed and tells him, my son killed your dad. It happened. But don't kill my son because he was just set up and... He was, it was just a hit. He didn't know who he was killing. Here's the phone. You can track everything. Sean is maybe seconds away from just blasting his balls off. He's got the gun cocked and everything. Very, there was a lot of irony in that scene with this very upscale kind of, you know, country club, you know, dining It's like a tea hall. room. Yeah, like, like, a, like a tea room. It for sure was a tea room that, that they're, they're drinking wine, they're in full suits, and you had this guy coming in in his uh very casual garb you know i guess you can kind of call them a backstreet razor gang of 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 2020 yeah they are um, they are like the saying, blinders and it was interesting that he he thought that he was going to go in there and he was going to be like oh it was my son who who killed your father however he was kind of just a puppet he he pulled the trigger but he didn't have any intention kind of go after the guys that sent him and paid him to do it because those are the people that you want dead. Not my son who didn't have any part in this as opposed, you know, he was just kind of just a prop. And Sean Wallace, the irrational person that he is, has his gun pointed towards him under the table, you know, cocks it back. And he says, you have my word. This, this, is, this was a great, this was a great acting, great writing. And, and uh, he, he, goes, you, he goes, do I have your word that you're not going to basically come after, come after my, my people? And Sean Wallace goes, you have my word that I won't shoot you in the back when you walk away right now. And that's like, that was badass by Sean. Even though I don't agree, I don't agree. It was a badass line. 
Yeah, and Ed wasn't happy. Alex wasn't happy. It's not the way the Dumanis want to run this business. One thing I did notice, the only slight against Ed is that he kind of treats Elliot like a dog. Every time Elliot is sniffing around and just hanging around because Sean wants him there, Ed says, let's have him stand outside. We don't need him listening in on this conversation, which is probably the proper thing to do because we'll talk about Elliot in a second, but he is definitely not looking out for the Wallace's better interests, but Sean is not hearing it. He says, no, he's sitting here. I like him. And it's true. Elliot has saved Sean's ass a few times. He just saved his brother's life probably in the kebab store. And so it's, uh, it, it'll lead us to transfer over to Elliot because we've got, we've got this, this therapy session, kind of like the last storyline that we can cover up. This episode, this episode was, was meaty, but had a couple big scenes. So it's a little easier to talk about than the first one. But Elliot, you know, his shirt got, it was weird. He like got ran into by a, an Asian woman with tea, spilled it on his shirt. We're wondering why is that even important? But then it's because Elliot has to drive around Ed Dumani's daughter. I think her name's Shannon, right? And so when, when Elliot has to drive her around, Shannon yeah, first yeah. is like, take off your shirt. I'll clean it off, which was clearly just a move that she just wanted to see him, you know, shirtless. And I'm sure millions of, you know, women around the world and men that are watching this will want to see Elliot shirtless. It's, uh, there's a lot of sexual tension there, as we can say between the two of them there's also the uh the reveal that not only is his wife dead he had a son that died too and so the uh the handlers if you want to call it that are having him psych evaluated are a little worried about him there's always it's 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 a little cliche for me you know there's like the handler that trusts him and then there's his, her superior that thinks that he's a he's a you know a liability and it's like all this stuff but i'm gonna let it go i'm gonna enjoy it i'm not reading too much into it that's the biggest thing. This is a show that, at least for me, I'm not going to try to dissect. I'm just going to enjoy it. Anything that happens that I think is a little corny, who cares? Let's just let it go and, and go on the ride. I agree. As I said in the, la- in the, in the, in the first episode that, that, that we broke down, we're not picking from a menu here. The only, uh, the only show that I am going to talk about that I hate how the storyline has played out is Westworld. I mean, this is an anti-Westworld podcast, at least from my end, at least. But we're, we're going to save that for, for a different show. But I, I agree, you know, it is a little cliche. You know, I think it's important that we kind of figure out why he is the way he is. And I think that those, those little drop-ins of, of facts about his past are important and they're going to come up later in the season. And he's going to have a clash where I'm assuming we're going to see some flashbacks, you know, in, in the moment where he's kind of having, you know, visions and episodes in the middle of the night or something. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of predicting that to happen, but I think it's important. I'm trusting the show to, to have purpose, everything that they're doing. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because from the first time we see this badass character, we think that he's kind of, you know, perfect. You know, he can beat the shit out of anybody. He's, he's a badass, but he has weaknesses. And I think that's important because we need to know that he has weaknesses because he's not perfect. And that's what makes elite shows elite is when they exploit the weaknesses in almost what seemingly perfect characters. I do have written down that his wife, Naomi, was passed away. I don't know if she was murdered or she just died two years prior and then her, his son's name was Samuel. And so if we move on from that just to the end where we've got this, this major um, conflict between business versus family, Alex versus Sean. Sean basically calls out Alex, who's about his age, saying, who are you going to stick with? You know what I mean? Are you going you gonna to try to avenge this man who is basically a father to you? Or are you going to go with your dad and try to you know, keep it? 
keep it down qualmed instead of going crazy. And instead, you know, it doesn't matter. Cat, Cat Stark, I don't even remember what her name is. Cat Stark, Michelle Fairley is all in on going in hot, even though Ed doesn't want her to. She is emotional. He is smart. And that's where the massacre happens because she kind of is pushing it because she wants the, the, you know, the death of her husband to be avenged. She wants her son to grow up. And then we even seen at the very end where Sean is going out to try to murder the Finney dad who does escape, I believe. And Sean gets pulled away by his, you know, his protectors who say, hey, dude, you can't like, you can't run out there and try to murder someone. You are, you are too important. We need lackeys to do right. that. We've got guys like Elliot. And so it shows the, uh, maybe the lack of IQ from the Wallace family. Maybe Finn was the only one keeping them together and he didn't really, uh, he didn't really use any of his knowledge to share with his family. This is, this is almost the, the introduction of Catelyn Stark's character. We, we, I, Marion Wallace, Marion. I'm going to call her Marion. We keep on calling her Cat Stark. Is that her name? Marion? Yeah, it's Marion. It's okay. too hard to see her <laughs> in someone else's character. But they don't even really mention her name a lot in the show. So her name is Marion. But we see the introduction of Marion in this, in this episode because she didn't speak for shit in the first episode. <laughs> so that scene when she's coming down the, stair and, down the stairs in her outfit and when she said, you know, I wore this on the, on, on the last anniversary, on, our, on the anniversary of, 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 of your father and I. She looks like she's ready to go out. She kind of just is kind of feeling herself, probably having a memory of her and Finn. And... She tells Sean, you know, you need to act without hesitation. You know, basically saying, act on your own devices. Don't, don't listen to other people because you are who you are. And it kind of shows, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And that Sean is, and this, this, was, this was the catalyst to Sean acting the way he did. And we see Ed kind of being the complete opposite of how Marion wanted him to act. And it's going to be interesting because I can kind of see there's going to be a clash between Marion and Ed going forward and there probably has been a clash between Mary and Ed their whole life and I'm interested to see how that plays out we I don't want to say we I have no doubt that someone's going to find out that Ed killed Jack in the beginning and that someone might be Elliot because I don't know if you noticed so we got that awesome scene of Sean walking into the room seeing Jack dead but we only see it on the reflection of the blood on the floor and so that was really cool but then, as Elliot comes in to help clean it up, he notices that there are two teacups missing. And he, it, 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 like, registers in his brain, and it shows us that registering. And those were the cups that Ed and Jack drank tea from, which obviously Jack's cup had the poison. So if that does come to a hay, that's a great, you know, plot line to then lead to a Wallace versus Dumani battle which would be, where does Alex pick? Because Alex had the best line of the episode, Josh, because it goes back to episode one when we had, you know, Lewin say, this kid will burn down a city to prove he's a man. Then we see this episode that Sean has this chip on his shoulder because when he was a kid, he couldn't be a man. Billy had to be the man when his dad wanted him to. That created this massive chip on Sean's shoulder, which he feels he has to constantly prove his masculinity. And then we have a great line from Alex saying, we don't have to torch the whole city to prove our strength. You tell right. me that if, right. that wasn't, if that wasn't written in succession by the, the fantastic creators of this show, you know, we've got Flanny, Flannery and, uh, and Gareth Evans. If that wasn't, you know, 
done on purpose, then it was a marvelous coincidence. But it was it, it had to have been phenomenal, you know, creativity and writing to connect that. No, I mean, I told you in episode one that I really liked Alex's character. He's the rational character. He's trying to co- convince Sean to not do these stupid things. And we see Sean go into that pool hall, kind of club pool hall kind of uh, area. I don't really know like, what you want to call it, but he, he tries to get him. He's like, are you, are you coming with me? And Alex, I like how he stood strong and said, look, like, I don't believe, I don't believe in what you're doing. Basically. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in torching the city. You know, it's not, it's not going to end up in, it's just going to end in bloodshed. What's the point? And Sean is like, you know, my father treated you like a son, as if that was going to be a reason for Alex to, you know, just spill bloodshed because of what he just told him there. And he held strong. And he, uh, he, he and his father have continuously said that they're always going to do what's best for the business. And they're businessmen. They're going to do what's best for the business. And they're not going to act out of character just to avenge death. They're going to keep the business going. And they're the ones who are keeping it afloat. As to Sean, who put everything on hold just to avenge his father and his halting business, in which we see that they don't like. And I really respected that out of uh, you know, Alex and his father. So Josh and I are now completely unknown. We don't know what happens from, from now on. We've only seen the first two. We're going to watch three. We'll watch four sometime. And we'll decide whether to do an episode that just goes over three or maybe combine the two of them if they're both, you know, set pieces to move on the season. And so we'll just keep an eye out on your Patreon. Make sure to turn your notifications on so when we do post the next episode, you guys can be let aware of that. And so just tell one friend. If you tell one person, hey, you know, we know these two guys. They have a great podcast. They got a bunch of Peaky Blinders stuff. And now they're starting a new show. Go check them out on patreon.com slash Peaky. If you can tell one friend that during this quarantine, maybe you can provide about 30 hours of content and entertainment to one of your buddies or one of your family members. And, you know, that's just, that's just a good deed. And so that's all we ask as we wrap up this just a cup second of coffee. episode. That's all. Just that's a cup it. of coffee. I mean, we aren't even going to Starbucks. They're not even open. So what's, you know, you're saving all K-cups. this money. K-cups. That's it. Yeah. A whole box of K-cups. And we're going to wrap up this episode as uh, he's Josh and I'm Daniel. We'll be back soon to keep this going. We binge so you don't have to.